0: It's 206 on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Did you have a great family day weekend? Um, You know, ours was quiet. Still recovering from that trip up north. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll fill you in a little bit more about that. I know we talked about it before I left when uh, Andrew was here. Andrew's away this week. He'll be back on Monday. But that uh, exercise Arctic Ram with a 3VP, that Was supposed to go up on Thursday. Last Thursday ended up going up on Friday. And boy, oh boy, let me tell you what a day that turned into from being in the cockpit of a Hercules when the side panel in the window cracks... (laughs) <laughs> That's a little off putting, let me tell you right there. You just turn and go, oh, that doesn't look good. But you know what? Thankfully, there were two plane, panes of glass there, so we turned around and came back anyway. Bit of a long story there, but it was a fantastic experience. Right now, if you want to go to the 630 Chud Facebook page, I did little uh, video uh, vignettes of, of everything throughout the day. You can check that out now, and it includes the jump. The jump of our, the paratroopers from B Company of uh, 3VP jumping out, doors open on the Herc, jumping out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It was, it was crazy. It was awesome. Jumping out at nighttime, well, nighttime, it was in the afternoon, but it was dark, into, I don't know, I think it was minus a bazillion degrees at that point. But it was really fantastic. And as, uh, as well, uh, producer Winger uh, went up on Saturday. And a little bit of an update on her. I was hoping to have a bit of a debrief with her. We were going to fill you all in on everything that happened. But um, there's been some challenges with her plane, too. (laughs) Uh, Actually, she gave up a seat for a a soldier that needed to come home because of a family emergency. She was supposed to come home this afternoon on the big Globemaster. But there was a hydraulic leak. So she'll be back tomorrow. So we'll catch up with her as well later on this week. Boy, oh, boy. Eye opener, let me tell you, because <clears throat> there was a leak of something on my, <clears throat> excuse me, on my Hercules as well. But it was a, a few, well, an hour outside of Edmonton. But it was uh, an interesting day. Great video up on the 6:30 Ched Facebook page. Uh, a reminder that the 6:30 Ched afternoon news is a shortened edition this afternoon because the Oilers are in action tonight they are taking on anaheim so that means the city ford face-off show gets underway at 5 30 puck drop at seven o'clock and you know what i just looked into my handy dandy little red binder and i found this we told you about it last week james taylor oh gosh i love james taylor and his all-star band coming to uh, rexall place june 7th tickets go on sale this friday at 10 o'clock but you know what? I have tickets to give away this afternoon. So we'll do that. We'll check in with uh, Morley Scott as well. We'll talk a little bit about the Grammys. And want to know about this. Do you think that O oh Canada, do you think anthems, Are there any, is there any room for interpretation when it comes to the anthem? Canadian anthem, O oh Canada, American anthem, whatever it is. Because I want to talk about what happened at the NBA All-Star Game and whether or not that you think that that was uh, appropriate. But right now, want to switch gears and talk about this. Now, she is a Canadian singer and songwriter. She's bringing her national concert tour to Edmonton. And so you say, okay, well, what's the big deal with that, well, I'm going to tell you it's to benefit post-traumatic stress disorder charities right across the country. Jesse Tyler Williams and special guest, retired Master Corporal Don Ferguson, joined me in studio this afternoon to talk more about PTSD and and Jesse's goal of raising a big chunk of cash to help those dealing with it. Thank you both for joining me in studio. Thank you so much for having us, Jalen. It's ah, uh, it's nice to have you, Don. I think you're uh, are you a man of few words.
1: Well, occasionally.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I said to you when we came in, I mean, here we are. We're, we're going to talk about uh, about this. And I'm going to start with, with you, Jesse, a, a little bit. I mean, this is something that you came up with uh, in the in the past year or so, and you decided this is what you wanted to do. Why? Why did you want to start doing this concert series to help those with PTSD?
2: Well, when I when I got back into the music, I needed to do something that wasn't just with the music. I had to do something good and make a difference. And I have a slogan, healing the world one <laughs> song at a time. And it's really important for me to deliver that message through the lyrics that I write and to use those lyrics and, and the music to draw people in to let them do something good too and and music has such a healing power to it that you can do good things with it and it's evident in everywhere you look.
0: But why PTSD? I mean there's a zillion different uh, charities
2: organizations out there. Is there a connection for you? You know there isn't. The connection to me was uh, when I first started looking for charities that I was gonna uh, go forward with I thought I was gonna work with kids Mm -hmm. and PTSD popped out. And I didn't even know what PTSD was when I researched it. That was my first red bell that went off Mm -hmm. that said, oh, this is something really serious, and I haven't heard about this. And I'm pretty engaged in in charitable organizations. And after months and months of research and finding out what it was, the resources out there, I made a lot of phone calls. And I was acting as if I was the person suffering from PTSD And I made almost a dozen calls. And when I stopped was when I got referred to the same number that I initially called. So it was a big circle. It was a vicious circle. And I thought to myself, for somebody with PTSD to pick up the phone once and ask for help, it's really hard. For them to pick up the phone twice, it might happen, but probably not. Mm-hmm. For them to pick up the phone more than that, it's, it's not going to happen.
0: Well, it's certainly something that has been in the news more and more and more over the past uh, a few years, and, and certainly since the end of our mission in Afghanistan. I think that was when <coughs> we really, really started to hear about it more. <clears throat> Some soldiers, um, retired members, started talking about it more because before this is not something that th- they talked about it just it was I'm guessing I can probably use these words uh Don it was a sign of weakness wasn't it yes okay so. so can you tell a little bit about your military career you were in for you told me it was it 12 years and 54 Four days, days.
1: <laughs> yeah then I was medically released but uh yeah for my, for myself I've uh, I'm a cook by trade okay Eight, and uh uh, did a few tours overseas, Middle East, Afghanistan. Afghanistan, I was in a remote location, a little fob, fob and I spent seven and a half months there, and I was the only cook in, <laughs> cook with no kitchen, and uh, so I, I did a lot of work as a medic, and dismount, and, and uh, set up a ration warehouse.
0: You know what, It's uh, I, I've learned over the past little bit, I mean, a great cook in the military, is well respected and much needed i mean you know you you, you feed uh, the guys and and girls well um y- you make for for happy happy soldiers but having said that i mean obviously something happened along the way you, t- you so you were you were diagnosed you said in 2009 correct okay so what can you, can you give me an idea could you was it one thing was it a series of things do you know looking back
1: for me it was a a series of things um when i came back, back um I was put into a position that was supposed to be, you know, a, a good position and of uh, responsibility and that and I took it as a, a form of punishment because I was kind of put back in a corner out of sight of a, out of mind kind of thing and I went from almost, well we would say like a hero status mm-hmm. at to all of a sudden I'm in the shadows and I started having my night terrors and uh, getting into uh, the alcohol and violent swings and and uh, things were just not quite right. I went into avoidance, withdrawal. Uh, I didn't want to go out, didn't want to do anything. And, and uh, fortunately for me, my wife kind of really prodded me and pushed mm-hmm. me to go seek some help and talk to somebody. And
0: Dawn, does it does it start, I, I'm guessing it starts slowly? Or does it come on right fast? I mean, is, are there little things? If you look back now, I mean, we're seven years past, maybe, yeah. you know, 2009. Looking back, can you see little things leading up? Or There's,
1: there's <laughs> little things I can see. There's uh, certain trigger things. You know, there were certain smells, uh, certain situations um, that would come up up and just trigger certain thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to sit there and watch a TV show and certain scenes or a movie and certain images or scenes would trigger emotions and thoughts and and put me in another time and place. Mm. right, so.
0: How, your wife. Yes. She was, uh, obviously, she was keeping an eye out on things and notice that, that something wasn't right. Do you remember the first conversations that you had with her about this?
1: I don't think it was much of a conversation. <laughs> 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 um, like uh, I'm not I'm not a very uh um, outgoing person when it comes to emotions emotions. so oh what she was seeing how uh, I'd get from going not being very sociable, emotional mm-hmm. and uh to being really withdrawn and being really cold, old even towards family members, yeah. and that's you know it's something people don't realize is you get a numbing sensation, and you, you don't you don't feel that that love or whatever. Yeah, you care you care about that person, but you're numb, um, and it, it really hard on, on them in that aspect, right?
0: Talking with retired Master Corporal uh, Don Ferguson, along with that uh, Jesse Tyler Williams. Don Fraser Fraser my apologies man I had your rank wrong and your last name my <laughs> military precision sucks today um, Don we <laughs> still love you yeah thank you explain can you explain to you know our listeners is there a few words that you can sum it up when you 're in that in that moment in that 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 haze that that the awfulness that 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 thing that is taking you right back is there is there a way to describe it
1: um i don't know um maybe hopelessness Mm. Uh, you know a a feeling of lost you just you you just you're in a it's like a different time and place you almost feel like you're back in in that time yeah i'm but you look around and it's not the same place right you're just it's kind of like two personalities and it's it, it's hard to explain in the the uh the feeling feeling i don't really know how they describe yeah, that yeah, but.
0: and I think it probably changes depending on on who you're talking with now, picking up the phone, getting help how'd that go
1: not very well, not very well um I was lucky because on the base we have the social workers and and that and uh, the 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 social worker that I started working with that who uh, put me in the right direction happened to be the one of the social workers that was on my tour who were and seen a lot of the stuff that I've gone through and that and and he kind of pushed me in the right direction to, to get on the path of uh, sorting things out
0: and how do you sort things out
1: how, to, how to, well medications yeah Asians uh, therapy sessions um, try different techniques like uh, prolonged <laughs> exposure where you uh, relive a traumatic event over and over.
0: That's got to be scary.
1: It, it is it, and it's uh, very frustrating. It brings out a lot of anger. Anger um, It may work for some people. For me it didn't work. It just made me more angry and more yeah. withdrawn.
0: What did work for you?
1: What did? It's been time. I'm still doing doing therapy. I'm still, still um, restructuring medications. Um, so it's been—it's still a work in progress.
0: Do you think that there's enough being done to help those who have PTSD or OSI's, as they like to call them now?
1: You know, I, I don't really think there is, is, but I haven't put a lot of thought into it either. Either like I, I don't pay too much attention to the outside world to a certain extent, and I, I like my bubble. I like my serenity. Mm -hmm. Right. So Um,
0: what would you, you know, having gone through the experience that you've gone through, what do you think needs or what other things or access to
1: plans or treatment do you think needs to be there? I think it just needs to be, you know, more visible and more accessible. Like uh, there's now there's there's apps out for the smartphones for OSI and um, PTSD Canada Coach, I, I carry both on my phone, phone ad, full of wonderful information, right? But uh, a, a lot of people don't know this unless they're actually going through yeah. the system. System, And I think a big thing is, is for people to actually reach out and get that help.
0: You know what? It seems every time I have a conversation about PTSD, um, there's always one or two that say, you know what? You, you knew what you signed up for. You, you you need to suck it up and get over get over with it. It seems that there's some people out there that think, "Hey, you know what? It comes with the job." What do you say to those?
1: Well, you know what? I used to be one of those. Really? I, I, I you know I I figured nothing would affect me, nothing would bother me, and years down the road, oh well, here I am, and life's taken a, a different twist and a different turn, and I'm not any worse for it not any better for it, but uh, it has been a learning experience. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Uh, It's 221. We need to take a break here. When we come back, want to find out more about the concert that is coming up and some last words as well from retired Master Corporal Don Fraser. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Right after this on the 630 Chat Afternoon News. Andrew is away today. He'll be back on Monday joining me in studio. Jesse Tyler Williams and uh, Don Fraser, uh, retired Master Corporal, 12 years, 54 days, was uh, in. Jesse, this concert series that you're doing, it's coming to Edmonton March 5th, and it's at the uh, Four Points Sheraton. That's right. And uh, our pal, uh, Gord Steinke, from Global Edmonton, is going to be emceeing it. Uh, What can you tell us about, like, uh, the money raised from this is
2: going... You have some great partners in this event. Tell us about that. So our, our national uh, beneficiary is uh, Wounded Warriors Canada. And uh, here in Edmonton, we're going to be supporting the Valor Place okay. Society. Uh, so all of them, great Great places for uh, help for um, first responders and uh, military personnel. Um, so yeah, we're really excited, super stoked to have Gord uh, Stanky emcee yeah. uh, the evening for us. Um, Don is actually going to be speaking mm-hmm. uh, about PTSD um, at the event as well. Um, I, I just encourage people with uh, PTSD. I know it's it's so challenging, and I don't personally suffer from it. Um, but I have had the privilege and honor of talking to a lot of people. Uh, Don spoke at our Red Deer event. We had uh, just about 200 people there, and he moved Uh the walls and (laughs) shook the floor, or moved the floor and shook the walls, however (laughs) you want to put it. His testimony was a statement to people out there that, you know what? It was hard for Don to do that to stand up there and talk about on a personal level. But it's therapeutic too. You know, you don't you don't recognize things like that right away, but they become like a therapeutic uh-huh. process. Uh-huh. And you know, we always have uh seats available to people that suffer from PTSD that people donate. Uh, to us so um, if they are interested in coming to the event uh, just to share that experience with with us we encourage them to come out. Where do people find out more
0: about it? Tickets all that sort
2: of thing? They can go to our website www.jesse-williams.com or they can call 403-304- 0123 to arrange um, a seat for those that uh, want to attend the event. But
0: now, I saw on the uh, on the poster as well, the tickets won't be sold at the door, so you need to get them ahead of time if Absolutely. you're interested. Okay. And what can they expect that evening besides some
2: awesome music? I've heard you sing. You're <laughs> fantastic. Thank you, Jay-Lynn. Uh It's a series of events. We have been blessed with the Sturgeon Composite High School Choir to sing our national anthem for us. We have a silent auction and running all night, a charity photo booth by Bryce Frazier uh, Photography. We have um, all sorts of stuff happening.
1: Got the one BP drumline. Oh,
0: which yes. is which is fantastic. Yes. If you've never
2: seen, yeah, it's I'm absolutely so fantastic. excited. So, a lot of stuff happening all night. A series of different things going on throughout the evening. We have a sit-down plated dinner. It's a wonderful meal that. Um, four points is putting on for us for this event Um, the dress is semi-formal to formal um, and we encourage you guys to come out and support these men and and women in service that you know they put their life out there every single day every minute they're on the streets and every minute they're out there uh, fighting for our country you know let's Let's give them something back. Yeah, and you know
0: what? It's just not our men and uh, women that are in in the military, our police officers, our first responders, EMS—you name it—it's certainly there. Uh, before before we wrap this up, final words go to Don and I. I always want to ask this because I think you're you're the one who's lived with it, living with it, gone through it. Anyone listening right now who is afraid to pick up that phone or who is who is scared too, but knows it need help, or maybe there's a family member that needs help, what do you tell them?
1: Well, you know what, there's, social media is really great. There's a lot of great groups out on social media, and a, lo- a lot of, uh, uh, we'll call them brothers in arms, arms on the social media, and everybody seems to reach out to each other when in that time of need, need. and so never, never hesitate. Use those avenues, reach out, talk, whether it's uh, a good friend, whether it's a buddy across the country at another posting, whatever, always reach out.
0: Take that first step. Exactly. Best of luck with uh, the event. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so
2: much, Jalen.
0: It is uh, 2.35. Welcome to the 6.30 Ched Afternoon News. I'm Jayla Nye. Andrew Gross, away today. Well, you have heard the news all day, right here on 6.30 Ched. Russia's energy minister saying his country has agreed to freeze oil production levels. If other producers do the same, it comes after a closed-door meeting with uh, OPEC members Venezuela, Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And to find out what all of this means and what impact it will have, if any, we are joined by senior petroleum analyst at GasBuddy.com. Um, Dan McTagg, Hi, Dan.
3: Hi, Julian. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you. A busy day for you. Lots of people wondering what all of this means. And, you know, maybe in a nutshell, we can start with, can you explain what happened today in Qatar?
3: Well, what happened was, after three weeks of speculation, some OPEC nations and one non-OPEC nation, so the three being Venezuela, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar, um, got together with Russia, a non-OPEC player, and uh, said that they would uh, somehow try to address the very critical issue for producing nations uh, of uh, overproduction, and what they came out with was, uh, well, frankly, more of the same. Uh, <laughs> it won't. <be. laughs> they basically said we'll freeze at the highest levels of production ever, which basically, uh, you know, shows good intention, but it's what's in the details that uh, obviously leaves many to conclude that uh, this is same old, same old. And even without uh, many other nations, the U.S. Iran, China, uh, Canada, the big producers being involved, uh, it's not likely that it's going to have any material effect on the absolute overproduction of Mm. oil. Look, the United States they are at now 86, 87-year highs. Uh, There's just, you know, it would take far more than that to try to address uh, the fundamental problem of a a glut of oil globally.
0: So the likelihood of a deal non-existent is what you're saying?
3: Well, the deal would have to have everybody sign on, mm-hmm. and the deal would also have to include, you know, uh, a production cut of the, on the order of ten, twenty percent, just to be able to reduce the two million barrel a day uh, additional supply or surplus that is being created by all of the players. And that didn't happen. I'm not even sure if it's a, a good first step. I think it's a false step because it gave the market uh, the belief. I think on Thursday and Friday that. Uh, deal was in the offing and so a lot of speculators got involved started buying up their west texas intermediate and to a lesser extent brent crude positions and uh it turns out uh, this morning they're well they're holding on to a wet bag or <laughs> what was left in that wet bag it's uh, fallen through again there is no floor
0: dan what does uh what what how does uh, iran factor into all of this
3: well for canada i mean we we are sort of price takers uh we have a lot of oil, a lot of oil that uh, can't find a market. The market is there, but we can't get it to that mm-hmm. market. Um, we are you know, obviously constricted by the inability to uh, get stranded oil from the center part of the country, from Alberta to Leather, like, Wisconsin, Saskatchewan, to a tiny bit from British Columbia, out to tide waters, where we desperately need to uh, be able to get our product in order to be able to sell it to markets that are Definitely waiting for Canadian oil, and that would be India, but more a little closer to home. The Gulf Coast refiners in the U.S. have upgraded a lot of their coking facilities that would allow uh, for heavier oil. Uh, Americans, make no mistake, have made those investments, and they fully expected that the Keystone XL pro, uh, pipeline would have been approved. That it hasn't means that we have to go to Plan B, and Plan B is already in place. Uh, you have a pipeline, a conduit, the main line, which of course is now known as the Energy East pipeline which is uh, three-quarters, 80% of the way there. Um, We're holding back on that, obviously, because there's a lot of uh, humming and hawing that's going on. But in the meantime, uh, it is uh, a real lost opportunity. And you can actually quantify that, Jalen, to the fact that we're losing about $13 a barrel today uh, just because we can't get our oil, which the world wants, to market
0: you know, we, we talked about this about this earlier on the phone when we were setting up the interview, and I asked you the same question I'm going to ask you right now then. So, what needs to be done? I mean, obviously, yeah, we need to get those pipelines going, but if there's if there's no movement there, despite this poll, there was a poll that came out of uh, Quebec today saying that um, 49% of respondents say that if oil must be imported, they prefer it come from uh, Canada's western provinces. The use of pipelines to move oil is favoured by 41% of Quebecers. As a safest Way to transport, way ahead of trucks, ships, and trains. I mean, what do we do at this point?
3: Well, in Quebec and Ontario and provinces to the east, well understand that uh, you know we have a lot at stake in common. Uh, you know, if you're losing thirteen dollars a barrel because you can't get west Texas and immediate for your uh, prices for your oil, uh, that's a loss. If I calculate it on a daily basis, some uh, 16000000 dollars. Uh, multiplied by 365 days a year. That's a $5.4 billion uh, potential revenue maker for the country. Now, whether that goes towards the pipeline companies, the oil companies, ultimately it's money that remains within Canada. It would prop up the Canadian value of the Canadian dollar, give us greater purchasing power, and it would also create more jobs and opportunities. And I think there's really not a lot in the way of a, a, a cogent argument. Unless we're dealing with those who truly dislike fossil fuels and I think they are very much in the minority at a very difficult time like this when the government is clearly going into into deficit uh, looking to spend billions of dollars to try to prop up the economy. I can't think of a better example of how Something that is ready at hand could be converted very quickly, uh, to getting our product to market that, uh, the world wants and for which, if we do not do the Eastern Canadian refineries, uh, here I'm talking Irving, here I'm talking, uh, you know, with the, uh, Valero refinery, uh, it's come by chance and of course Montreal's Petrocan refinery, mm-hmm. almost a million, uh, barrels of oil processed a day won't have any uh, alternative but to bring it in and import it from other countries.
0: Dan, you spent a long time in in government. Um, You know, you kind of went from the hot seat, from one hot seat to the other now with with oil and the petroleum industry, but um, can you even figure out what might be going through um, the government's mind right now or, you know, why maybe the push isn't a little stronger?
3: To get I things think they done? have to get the pri. Well, I mean, their new government uh, will give them a chance, but I think the priorities have to be established very quickly. I'm sorry, but it's not carbon uh, concerns that uh, I think are uh, at hand in terms of the concern that Canadians have and the uh, the uh, the economic prospects that are slowly but surely slipping away. Oil is our number one export. It is our prized trade product. The world still yeah. values it at twenty eight, twenty nine dollars a barrel. We're getting fourteen, fifteen if we're lucky. It seems to me that if uh, we want to continue uh, to, you know, to provide at least some momentum in, in the industry, uh, the oil industry, which has provided jobs and has sustained our prosperity, whether that be our healthcare system, our pensions, our education system, our equalization programs, then it would be incumbent, I think, on the Trudeau government uh, to uh, move diligently and quickly to its approval. Yes, there are going to be naysayers, but... Uh, the good of the many comes before the interest of the few. And frankly, I think uh, ensuring that the national finances are restored is uh, mm-hmm. a main priority, including those of Alberta's and the jobs that have been lost there. Uh, we're, otherwise, we're treading water and likely going down this uh, this deep abyss to $15 a barrel, which will put ours at 5
0: Oh, goodness. Petroleum analyst uh, Dan McTagg joining me on the phone this afternoon. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, and you mentioned it earlier, and I was reading uh, a bit about it as well, lots of people focus on West Texas, Texas Intermediate Crude. Um, a lot of people, including you, I think, you know, earlier today said we really need to be focusing on the Western Canadian Select. There's a big difference in price there, isn't there?
3: Absolutely. Western Canadian Select, which is Canadian heavy oil, um, is uh, trading at a $13, $12, $13 discount to uh, West Texas Intermediate. Um, you know, if you put that in perspective, and we're producing some 3.5 million barrels of oil a day, Uh, That loss now works out in totals $20 million a day net loss to the Canadian economy Mm. just to get I mean some people saying, well we're complaining at $28 it's not enough to sustain the economy. I think for 90% of the oil produced in Canada, uh, it would be a great day to see $28 a barrel. Imagine if it were to go higher. Look, uh, you know, we, we can't afford to second guess the significance of the petroleum industry to Canada. But more importantly, Oil to our standard of living, and anybody who thinks uh, they can whistle past this or suddenly you know develop a number of uh, uh, you know windmills or photovoltaics to replace this with all the controversies that are involved, I think it 's got their priorities wrong, and I think it 's up to the federal government to make a decision very quickly, uh, taking into account all the concerns that are there, which I think the company itself is beginning to address
0: yeah
3: uh, it is doing certainly so in the case of Kinder Morgan. I mean, I'm looking at the Energy East as a five-point billion-dollar boost to the Canadian economy. Kinder Morgan, probably another three and a half to four. That's ten billion dollars. I've heard. You know, the platform of the of the Liberals, of a party of which I've been a member of for some 18 years in the House of Commons. Uh, wanting to spend $10 billion in terms of infrastructure. Well, you don't need to go into further deficit, make a decision, let the private sector do its job, and uh, let's restore some confidence in Canada as a whole from coast to coast.
0: When we talk about uh, coast to coast, uh, west to east, what about south getting it down to the states?
3: Well, I think we'll have to wait for another president. I mean, yeah. clearly uh, TransCanada Pipelines is well within its bounds to have taken uh, the U.S. Uh, administration to court uh, under a NAFTA challenge. The State Department, many others approved this. Uh, the company, TransCanada Pipelines, uh, basically performed cartwheels. Uh, U.S. refiners along the Gulf Coast, many of them made multi-million dollar investments to accept Canadian crude. They want Canadian crude. We've turned the pipelines around to help U.S. Uh, refiners in the middle of, uh, uh, of the U.S. in the Midwest. Uh, the only disappointment was a political decision, not based on science, but based on political science. And I think the less political science is involved here, the more likely we're going to come up with a rational outcome. We'll see what happens in the elections come November. But for now, I think we have to proceed uh, ahead with what we have at hand. It's a pipeline that already exists, and uh, I think we'd, uh, we're 80%, 90% of the way there.
0: Yeah, Dan, before we uh, let you go again, I know you've been doing interviews left, right, yeah. and centre today. It's been a busy day for you. Um, but with all this talk of what happened, uh, this this kind of deal talks from this morning, and then gas prices started jumping here in some places, 20 cents a litre. I mean, is yeah, what, what
3: the, <laughs> excuse, what the hell? I did a heads-up uh, all last week and said... Uh, we can expect the wholesale prices for gasoline shot up last week dramatically on the Chicago market uh, mostly because refiners are not making enough money the crude price and the what they were getting on the markets just simply weren't enough so many of them decided not to produce as much and that of course sent gasoline prices in the United States and Midwest up 40 cents we're paying for that now a bit of a uh, bit of a delayed reaction in Edmonton where you saw a lot of retailers basically shedding the retail margin and uh now they've restored that to $0.12 cents a litre. We've added the other $0.10 cents that we saw in terms of the market increase on the wholesale side. That's why you're looking at a $0.20 20 cent, uh uh, increase. I warned everybody about this last week, yeah. but uh, for those who didn't, please, if you can find it less than 77, by all means, stop and do this. You're not going to see 655 anytime soon.
0: Yeah, Dan, you know what? It's just all of a sudden it was like, oh, I missed the first part of this interview. Can someone tell me why it jumped 20 cents today? And that's the big <laughs> thing out here, right? Oh, Dan, well, you know stay what?
3: stay in touch with GasBuddy.com. We'll give you that uh, sort of heads up and uh, right here on 6.30 and uh, where we can give you that information. We'll certainly give that, but uh, I was expecting that last week. It didn't yeah. happen. bit of a delayed reaction is happening today.
0: Dan McTig. Always great to talk to you. Look forward to doing it again sometime soon. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: All great. Thanks for having me, and have a great week.
0: Yeah, you too, Dan McTagg from GasBuddy.com. You might remember me. He was a parliamentarian. He was uh, in in the he was a liberal in the government for a very very long time. Uh, he has been out for a number of years uh, now, but uh, this is what he foc- focuses on as a petroleum analyst. And yeah, twenty cents jump. At the, uh, at the pump today, I don't know what you pay. I filled up my car yesterday afternoon for $32. I think it was, I was at the Safeway over in Windermere. I think, what was it, $0.56 cents there plus an $0.08 cent off coupon. I filled up for $0.48 cents a litre. $0.48. Cents. It's two forty-eight on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Thanks to Dan McTague, a petroleum analyst, GasBuddy.com, also a former MP, uh, talking about this closed-door meeting with OPEC members of Venezuela, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, with Russia today. Uh, Russia's energy minister saying his country has agreed to freeze oil production levels if other producers do the same. The big question here is uh, Iran's roles and all of that because... Um, you know, they said provided others, for example, Iran, uh, agree to do the same, but probably wouldn't happen because Iran, you know, according to this article that I have in front of me, quote, Iran is targeting a renewal for its beleaguered oil sector after sanctions were lifted as part of a accord with Britain, I believe, aimed at compressing its nuclear capabilities. Despite low prices, Iran hopes to regain market share at the expense of Saudi Arabia. Uh, Iran is posed to increase production by about a million barrels a day. So, regardless, what does it, uh, you know, mean here, you know, Dan saying we'd be happy with $28 a barrel. And also, if you didn't catch it last week, he warned on gasbuddy.com that there could be a 20 cent jump at the pumps. Uh, You know, late last week, it looks like it's happening today, getting numerous calls into the 630 Ched newsroom that that in fact is happening. So if you still see somewhere in the city. Gas prices lower than what fifty or seventy seven cents. You might want to uh, gas up now because uh that uh, twenty cent jump is and will be uh happening over the next twenty-four hours. Again, you can uh, keep up to date on the gas prices and warnings and all that sort of stuff as far as impending um jumps at gasbuddy.com. Uh it's two fifty five on the six thirty Chet Afternoon News. We'll take another quick break here when we come back. We'll tee up the three o'clock hour. And Eileen Bell will be in with your news. Alrighty, it's uh 2:59 on the 6:30 Chat. Afternoon news. Some of your texts coming in, talking about uh, oil greed, 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 corporate greed. Too bad we can't drink or breathe money, says someone else. We're talking about the gas prices, the 20 cent, the impending 20 cent jump that uh, has happened in in some places. Ron says gassed up this morning at 55 cents. Now it's 77. And another person says Stony Plain and Spruce Grove still are 57 cents. Let me know at 6:30. 6:30. You can text me anytime or you can give me a shout four nine six zero zero six three.